No my hi my Hortaka. Welcome to the panel. RNZ National Wallace Chapman here today. And on this afternoon, Commonwealth Games 2022, along with all the action, we've been introduced to the city of Birmingham. We have the Lord Mayor of Birmingham on the panel just after four. And are you from Birmingham? Get in touch if you are. Text me 2101. Competition for key building products is not working as well as it should, the Commerce Commission says, oh, that topic after four. And had an eye on that lazy boy online, but won't be in stock until sometime in December. The, su- the supply chain might well get worse, we discussed that. And forget cycle lanes. When a tower was first mooted for Auckland, a huge debate. We talked to the man who designed the Auckland Sky Tower, Gordon Moller. And do you pick people up from the airport, or is that old-fashioned these days? Tell them to Uber in instead? What do you do? 2101 is the number to text. You can email me as well, The panel at rnz.co.nz. With me this afternoon, Victoria Stewart, the CEO of tech law firm Kendrick Partners. Victoria, kia ora. Good to have you on the panel again. Thanks for having me, Wallace. It's great to be here. Yeah. Also, Peter Fafio, business leader, former New Zealand diplomat and trade negotiator, director on the board of Amnesty uh, International. Uh, Peter, talofa, welcome. Talofa, bula vanaka. It's uh, been a long time, hasn't it? It's been, it's been a very long time. <laughs> here we are. Uh, and uh, lovely to have you on studio. Now, to this first, we all have a music venue we've grown up with, the Hilly in Hamilton, the Mighty Mighty, or Mighty Mighty in Wellington, the Ducks in Christchurch, and Dunedin, City of Culture, has its fair share thanks to a number of bands that came from there, still do, the Chills, the Lanes, later 660, but some locals say this is under threat. There's a protest this weekend in the Octagon to save the Dunedin Music Venues. With us is one of the organisers, David Bennett, who lives in Otipori, Dunedin. Kia ora, David. Kia ora. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure. Actually, might I add, you're actually initially a Melbourneian, aren't you? So it's a bit of an issue there. They tried to save that venue. They're trying to save the venue where uh, your Akadaka used to play. Oh, it was actually, yeah, on ACDC Lane. So it was a rock and roll bar called Cherry Bar on ACDC Lane. Yeah. About the most rock and roll thing you could get, and uh, <laughs> it, it it came under a serious threat from uh, apartments and kicked off a lot of the law changes in that part of the world that uh, protect venues in Melbourne now. Explain the issue for us in Dunedin, David. Um, so currently, we've got a, a pretty big lack of venues. They've been getting eroded over a number of years for many factors, um, from gentrification through noise complaints and a lot of other things, but the Crown has kind of been the the stalwart grassroots venue that's always kind of just chugged along, constantly putting on music and giving everyone their, their start or, or playing home to touring bands. Well-known uh, venue, The Crown. Yeah, well-known. And it's um, it's now had a development approved next door to it that includes three residential apartments on the top floor. And that's actually one of the things that we've been working with the council to try and get better regulations in around, uh, in fear of this exact thing happening, residents going in next door into established venues and us losing some of the few venues we have left. And so this issue has got such a head of steam, musos and the music community, people are so het up that there's a protest. Yep, that's this Sunday in the Octagon at 12 noon. Everybody get down. Uh, we're going to have a big old sound system, a bunch of bands, and, a, and a, we're going to shout at the council what we want. 
Uh, we've got a, a panel with us, David, we'll get them in. But look, there's also the issue, isn't there, of people uh, these days. You know, it's a new trend, wanting to live in a city, in a buzzy urban environment. They want an apartment in the city, but not next to a venue that has some crazily noisy band playing God knows what at an ungodly hour. That's fair too, isn't it? Yeah, and look, we're not saying that people shouldn't live in the inner city. We're just saying that it is the job of city councils to to manage these tensions and regulate appropriately. So having good soundproofing in your entertainment district as a a requirement for apartments going up is a good place to start. There's a lot of other measures that they can take to kind of mitigate these problems. Like we want people to live in the city and we want a vibrant music scene. And it's council's job to regulate to allow that to happen. Right. And that's what Uh, we're asking them to do, to do their job. Okay, Victoria. Um, hi, David. I was, I'm actually more of an empire girl from my youth, but I did spend oh. a few very late nights at the Crown listening to music. Um, how does it work at the moment? I mean, my view is this is not too dissimilar to someone building a house near an airport. You can't then complain about planes flying overhead. Like, it seems to me if you buy a development that's next to a music venue, you have to suck it up. Can these people actually then, after they... You know, they knew the music venue was there. They build their apartment, complain about the noise levels, and have them what stop at a certain time, reduce the noise elements. Well, how does that all work? So, unfortunately, under the two GP, which is our current district plan, uh, we do have reverse sensitivity, which is meant to mitigate this kind of stuff. The problem is the requirements are, are so low for a music city or, or a modern city, even that the developer actually has met all their needs to move into a mixed use area where both these activities are zoned to be music venues, uh, residential, commercial, all that. So everyone's met their legal obligations on this. The problem is the planning. The planning is weak uh, at at defending this kind of stuff, and we've had it happen already in the town and other places. So, yeah, once they move in, if they are disturbed, they're fully legally within their rights to complain and enact Uh the noise control mechanisms of the city because... Yeah. Oh, no, you're right, David. It is the planning. Because if you look at other cities around the world, <clears throat> you know, live music venues become this, the social fabric, right? They, they become a social fabric element of, of a good, livable city. So if you think about Dublin, you've got the Temple Bar. If you think about Rock and Nuremberg, oh. if you think about Ibiza, if you think about, you know, um, you know European jazz, there's Listen Paris. Listen to you. Right? So oh, I'm, an, I'm, an, I'm an urbanist from way back. Um, so I guess, I guess it's, it's, I was, it was the point I was going to raise, but it's exactly your point. It's master planning a city which is livable, but where elements of the social fabric are able to be, you know, brought forward in the district planning and in the master planning, and 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 where communities can can gather and 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 also be a destination for live music. Yeah, and that it gives opportunity to the young bands in the city, and it, it adds to the social social fabric of the city. And and if we lose uh, grassroots venues like this, it, it it has there's nothing here for people. You know, there's no launching off point. There's nowhere to start. And then you just get either pushing it underground, which creates other problems, or you get people just leaving the city. And bye-bye vibrancy. Do you see it as somewhat of an irony that Dunedin has branded itself quite clearly as a city of culture, city of music, and city of literature? Just look at the ads and look at the, the way they talk, talk about it. And here you are uh, on national radio, a national radio program fighting for the survival of venues. Do you think Dunedin, the Dunedin City Council, has really dropped the ball? Yeah, yeah, especially on this one. We raised a bunch of issues with this, with the closure of the Oriental not that long ago and some other issues that our organisation was formed around over a year ago. And we've been working with the council to try 
and come up with plans to mitigate this stuff, but it's moving too slowly. And in the meantime, uh, development chugs on and we're losing stuff. And they, they brand themselves as a music and cultural city and we're just asking them to, to you know, put the pedal to the floor and put your money where your mouth is and, and get to protecting the actual music scene of this city. Okay, so the protest is, when is it? Sunday. Sunday, Sunday the 7th of August at noon. Sunday, August 7 at noon. Save Dunedin's Venues Crown Hotel. Goodness me, that brings back memories. Uh, David Kiora, thank you for your time. David Bennett there. Um, the Empire, though, I can recall uh, Victoria for the first time going into the Empire. I think I saw something like, was it uh, a band called Freud Squad or Snapper? And just thinking, <laughs> oh my God, I, I'm completely out of my depth when it comes to coolness factor. I just, uh, look. I, I didn't even feel that I was even worthy to, I was quite, I was quite um, intimidated. Uh, it, it used to be terrifying to me too, but I had cool friends, but I was certainly yeah. not one of the cool kids at all. But um, it was an amazing venue, just, you know, you couldn't move with just sort of hot, sweaty people jumping around you. It was fantastic. And it is, it is sad, like it's, you know, it's part of my heritage, um, the, these venues and these, you know, this great live music and so many wonderful New Zealand bands have sort of cut their teeth down there. I think it's very sad if it changes. Birmingham, a few people can't, or Wallace says, Birmingham is in the US. Birmingham, or Birmingham, Birmingham is in the UK, regards Steve. I was born and bred in Birmingham, a city of a thousand trades, and left at 19 for Tasmania before coming here. 50 years ago, you would never admit you're from Brum, and the canals were all dirty and hidden away. Now, a cool, vibrant city. Apparently, the place to be. Who would have thought? Uh, all right, Victoria. Stuart, your IBT, your I've been thinking, what is it? Um, so this is really sort of a question, I guess, for the punters out there um, on car etiquette. So I'm really fortunate. I'm in a two-car family. My partner's got a ute um, and I've got a little Mazda. And from time to time, he wants to borrow my Mazda because it's obviously way more efficient for driving around town. Um, but every time I get into my car after he, bless him, has driven it, um, my seat is pushed fully back the rear view mirror has been moved the two side mirrors have been moved inappropriate and even uh, look even worse the uh, my radio which starts up automatically it will be blaring with the rock oh, I'm very, no, 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 <laughs> i know very quiet yep, yep. very quiet radio new zealand listener which will not come as no surprises but i get absolutely irate and he just um he just thinks I'm a complete drama queen over this, and it's just not something to get um, annoyed about. But my view is, if you use someone else's car, you put it back how it was. Um, and you know, I'm just interested to know whether I am the weirdo here. No, it's a disgrace. Changing the settings, settings, Peter, changing the dial, uh, all those little wee, those little wee minutiae of movement they're yours particularly if it's your car. You can't go changing the mirror, changing the seat, changing the radio. No, I, I, I want to get into my wife's car. I, I don't touch anything um, apart from the driving. Um, and it, it actually, because I'm a bit taller than her, you know, I have to sort of bend over to yeah. look, or, or, or sort of, you know, um, you know, bend to look at the rear view mirror just because I don't want to change it. I mean, probably poor health and safety there, but I just don't want to change it because I know what she'll say. Have you raised the issue? Me? Yes, I have, and I'm a drama queen, and what's the problem with just getting back into the car and changing everything back when you get in? Um, like, don't get me wrong, I get that if a short person is in a tall person's car, they need Fair to move the seat forward for safety reasons, but 
move it back. I mean, this is just, I honestly think this is common courtesy, but um, apparently, apparently I just uh, need to take a chill pill and not worry too much about it. Oh, no, that's unacceptable, actually, <laughs> quite frankly. Um, I, I, I put it to you, if your husband is listening to you, I'm offering uh, services this afternoon. Both of you come on the panel, I'll negotiate. <laughs> uh, you, you put it to him that I'll negotiate a conversation, a national conversation. <laughs> I'm sure he'd be far and too terrified to take you up. No, no, no. This is this is this is something that we can uh, we can solve. Uh, Victoria Stewart, thank you. Uh, Peter, for, for you, I've been thinking. Yeah, so I've been um, getting on the plane uh, up and down the country for meetings and and going to you know board meetings and etc. And you know, um, I always again um, we've had this on the panel on numerous occasions. But you know that middle you know that middle seat etiquette. You know when you're sort of sitting there and you want to sort of and you're in the middle seat. Do, you know, do you push push um, other people's arms out of the way, um, so or or and to own to own the side, or do you or, or do you just squeeze? You know, I'm a big guy, so or do you just squeeze guy. in and breathe in and don't exhale for 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 the 60 minute flight? Um, so I guess it's a question, you know, um, out there. And I know it's been asked on here before, but what's the what's the etiquette? Uh, um, I've I've been on the last two weeks. I've been on four sets of flights, and um, and every time I sit down and 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 both both grab the side. So, so both sides are taken. <laughs> both sides are taken. And I don't want to say anything because, you know, it's an hour and a half to Christchurch. It's an hour to Wellington, you know. And so I just sort of squeeze on in. But, and I thought to myself, what is the etiquette? Because I'm going to hop on a plane, you know, this weekend again. What is the etiquette? Um, um, and so, it's annoying because you, you, you just put your arms by your side. Yeah, that's, that's, you need a bit of space, you see. And I'm a small, and I'm a small someone. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you, Peter, are completely in the right. I actually thought this happens to me all the time, and I'm not—I don't want to be rude, but generally there are two guys on either side of me, and I thought it was just a chick versus male thing. But middle seat gets both armrests. Either side can sort of lean in the other direction. It's middle just, seat, it's both armrests. Yes, that's two, what I thought. one zero one. You answer that. Lovely to be on the panel with you, Peter. For you, Victoria Stewart. Lots to discuss. Stay with us. Four to five.